Good morning. Come on, good morning. You're in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. As you already know, pastors aren't here today. And I, it's just such an honor and such a privilege to come this morning to share the word. I, I don't take it lightly. I, I really take it that God wants to do something this morning. Amen. You know, and my wife told me that I, when I get excited, I speak real fast. And so I just think it's the Holy Spirit has a lot to say and wants to get it all out. But, you know, but we've got it figured out. So if I start speaking really fast, she's going to flash me the little bunny sign. And that means to slow it down. So if you see me take a deep breath and slow it down, that's just because literally bunny boo-foo just came out. <laughs> and my wife's saying, you're going too fast. No one's going to understand you. But we're going to believe that God is going to do something. Amen? Amen? You know, I've been on this journey with Jesus for like 36 years. 1986, April 25th, I began this journey with Jesus. And it's just been this amazing time, this amazing journey that God has taken me through, allowing me to do things, see things that I never thought were possible. But I got to tell you, in this journey, there have been times when I have felt spiritual dryness. That at times where maybe my heart has become dry, maybe there's just where I haven't felt as close to God as I once did. And through those seasons, these spiritual dryness in this, where the lack of love is not pouring out me, and you, you get into this spiritual rut. I mean, you don't lose your salvation, but you do lose your, your joy, your peace, your happiness, your confidence, and your closeness to God. And it's during those times in that spiritual rut where really life just becomes predictable. I mean, you're still doing things. You're, you're still going to church because you think you have to. And you're still reading your Bible because you know it's the thing to do. But the passion and the love and the excitement for it isn't necessarily there. And we get into these seasons and these ruts where really we're just kind of in a routine takes the replace of a relationship. And I believe today in this year of recovery, God wants to recover something in our lives. And the title of today's message is, is recovering, everybody say recovering, recovering, your spiritual vitality. When you've lost it, recovering your spiritual vitality. I mean, that's a mouthful, isn't it? When you've lost your spiritual vitality, that which drives you, that's which motivates you, that's which gives you your passion. Really, it's your connection to God. When you feel like you've been just disconnected, it's a season in a life that can be very, very difficult. And we're going to look at this scripture in the Bible in 2 Kings. In fact, if you have your Bible, you can get it out. Hopefully, you have the Word of God. That's one way you can show you have a disconnect is when the word of God isn't with you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Got awful quiet in here. <laughs> Stop stepping on my toes, Pastor Chris, right? Well, we need the word of God. If you have the word of God, we're going to be in the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And it's this, the story of the floating axe head. It's really a miracle. 
Because how many know every miracle is a parable and every parable is a miracle? And that when God shows us these miracles, he wants us to learn some spiritual truths that can change our lives. So we're going to be in this story, and some think it's a bizarre story. I think it's an amazing story. So if you've got your Bible open, why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet. You know, you may be new to the Lord, and maybe you're new here, and you always wonder, why do we stand to our feet when we read the Word? Maybe you ask yourself that question, and it's a good question. It's kind of like when you go into, uh, you're in court, and the judge comes in and everybody stands, because really they're standing to honor that he's the supreme authority in that room. So this morning when we stand for the word of God, we're saying it's the supreme authority this morning. It's not what I said, it's what the word says, amen? And so that's why we stand. That's why we honor the word. And stand for it. So so this morning as we're in 2 Kings, let's read this together. It'll be up on the screen or you can read in the Bible that you brought. It says this. One day the group of prophets that Elisha was in charge of complained to him. Imagine people complaining. You don't know about that. The place where they lived is too small. Give us permission to go to the Jordan and cut down some trees so we can build a place to live. All right, Elisha answered. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began to work. As one of them was cutting down a tree, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, his iron axe head fell into the water. So here's this guy. He's chopping down a tree. He's doing the job he was called to do. And all of a sudden, this iron head, the axe head, falls off and goes into the water. And he's probably freaking out. Because you see, back in that day, iron was worth something. And a cutting tool even had more value. Let's put it this way for you young people. Maybe you're out on a boat and you need to borrow a phone. And one of your friends just got the new iPhone 14. And they got it and they go, I need to, can I borrow that? And you go, oh, you go, they go, sure. And you're looking at it and all of a sudden you fumble and it goes off and goes into the water. Think about how you'd feel at that moment. So that's kind of what this guy is just thinking. Oh, my gosh. Because not only is it iron, but he says, what shall I do, sir? He exclaimed to Elisha. It was a borrowed axe. He had borrowed this valuable tool from somebody else. And he's freaking out. He goes, and then look what Elisha says. Where did it fall? Elisha asked. And the man showed him the place. And Elisha cut off a stick, threw it in the water, and made the axe head Float. I mean, that's kind of pretty bizarre. And then he goes, take it out, he ordered. And the man reached down and picked it up. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray that you would bless this time. We pray that, Lord, you would take the words that you've placed in me and sprinkle your Holy Spirit all over it. Father, that each one would hear what they need to hear this morning. You would make it direct to their hearts. Father, that this place would just be full. Father, that we would be encouraged challenged and empowered this morning by what you're going to do in this place. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come, to worship you, to hear your word, and to be changed by a loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. I mean, like I said, why is this story in the Bible? Because I believe that God wants to point out four spiritual truths, four spiritual truths that he wants to change in our lives. I mean, because this was a real axe head. But what it really represents was his spiritual power. The spiritual power to be able to, an ability to do a job that was before him. 
And if we're going to look at this, we need to see how can I, if we're in a place where we feel spiritually dry, where our heart isn't pulsating with the love anymore, we're in a rut, what can we do to get that connection back to God? I mean, have you ever felt like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling? They're just not going anywhere. You just can't feel God's presence. Well, I think if we do what these four things that this man did, God will recover our spiritual vitality. Here's the first thing he did. Admit you lost it. Admit you lost it. We need to stop living in denial. We need to really face reality. Because look what he says. As one of them was cutting down a tree, suddenly his iron hex fell into the water. He goes, what shall I do, sir? He exclaimed to Elijah. He immediately told somebody about it. He immediately said, it's lost. But you see, sometimes he could have done a couple other things. I mean, he really could, which a lot of us will do. He could have been working a long, noticeable lot. And he goes, well, guess what? I can just quit working. I can just stop. Somebody else can do the job. Somebody else has got the fire. Somebody else is close to God. I can stop serving because I'm tired. I don't feel close to God anymore. I, my prayers aren't going. And I'm just going to quit and let somebody else do it. He could have done that. Or he could have done one other thing. His axe head falls off. He could have looked around and goes, I'm just going to keep swinging. I hope nobody sees that I've lost it. He could just keep going through the motions, looking like I'm close to God. I'm all over Jesus. And he's just going through the motions, acting like he hasn't lost it, acting like he's close to God, acting like everything is good in life. And he's just working up a sweat with no power. I mean, he's just sitting there swinging. In fact, he probably takes out his phone, takes a selfie, and look, Puts it on some hashtag working for Jesus. You know, just going through the motions, going through like you haven't lost it, going through like you're close, but in the reality in your heart, it's grown cold and you don't sense God's presence like you used to. And we could go through those motions and we could do those things. But God wants to do, I mean, I think this is one of the saddest things in life is when a Christian is going through the motions like they're close to God and they're not. In fact, in the book of Samson, it says one of the saddest verses ever is Samson lost his power and he didn't know it. That's one of the saddest things. And so what causes this? How do we know when we've lost our cutting edge? How do we know that? Well, I think one of the first things that we recognize once we've lost our cutting edge is that really we start losing our love. I mean, our heart just goes cold. We don't have a love for the things anymore. We sit through service after service and nothing moves us. Worship doesn't move us. The word doesn't move us. We're just kind of going through the motions and we've lost that love that was once inside of us. We've lost that feeling and that connection and that power of God in our life. And we just kind of go through the motions. And we're just saying, man, what happened? You know, in Second Revelations, there's a scripture where Jesus is really speaking to the churches. And he speaks to this one church and he goes, he's telling them all the good things they're doing. He's saying, you're doing this and he's telling them you're doing great. It'd be kind of like he come here and he goes, you're doing great, man. You come to church on Sunday. In fact, some of you even come on Wednesday. 
You show up at DCS and you're doing these things and he's saying, great job, but he got this one thing against you. Look what he says this. He goes, I got this. He says, the love that you had at first is gone. Remember how far you have fallen. Return to me and change. Everybody say change. Change. With the way you think and act and do what you did at first. I remember, I don't know if some of you remember the first time when you, I remember April 25th like it's nothing. It's better. I remember that more than my own physical birth. Because when I found Jesus and he changed my life, I was so excited. I was so in love. If the church doors were open, I was there. Whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday evening. How many remember that? Any old saying? Sunday evening, I was there. Wednesday, I was there. Saturday morning prayer, I was there. It didn't no matter what. I was so in love with Jesus. No matter what happened, I was in his word. I was excited. Man, I'd be listening to worship on my radio, and people probably drop by, and they look over at me, and here's just tears just running down my face because I was just so in love with what Jesus did for me. I was so impassioned, and I couldn't believe it. And everything about my life, I'd study his word. I'd go to Bible college. I was doing, God was just opening up the doors, just doing amazing things. And I was so excited. At one point, I was asked to come and be a full-time youth pastor. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I mean, I'd hit the jackpot, right? I was like, this is so cool. So I was going to, I mean, I really thought I'd walk into the church and angels would just begin to sing. I mean, I did. I was thinking, this is going to be so cool, Bible studies. I get to hang around church people because church people are so nice. They're always encouraging, right? I thought this is going to be great. And I really thought that I'd get into my office and my Bible would hover over my desk and sermons would just begin to pour out and and they would just be so amazing. I thought it was so great. I was just like, yes. And then I found out it's work. I found out it's a lot of work. And sitting at the pastor's feet and getting the morsels of love, I didn't see that so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is work and you're doing all this stuff. And then I realized that I was more in the word preparing for a service than I was preparing my own heart. And I was doing all the work of the ministry to get ready for others. And I really noticed something. I was tired all the time. And then my spiritual father came to me and said something. He says, you're so focused on doing the work of God that you stop letting God do a work in you. Oh, 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 man. And I was like, oh, man, what had happened? What has happened to that first love? What has happened to that thing? And I really think God had said this to me. He said, you know what? You become a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Imagine hearing that from God, huh? Maybe you can't relate to being in ministry or being in that, but maybe God would say to you, you've become a full-time business person and a part-time follower of God. Or maybe you've become a full-time mom or dad and a part-time follower of Jesus. Or maybe a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. 
You see, sometimes we look and we forget that first love, that first passion, the things that we were excited about. And that really changed me. I realized that my love had gone and I needed it back. So that's one way you could see. Another thing is that you just begin to lose your faith. That when you get into these spiritual ruts and this spiritual dryness, you stop risking things. You stop believing for things. You stop stepping out for greater things. Because the scripture says if you have faith in Jesus, you'll do what I've done and greater. I think we get in these dry spells and our faith begins to wane, and we don't stop. We stop taking risks. We stop taking things that God has called us to do. Oh, I can't do that anymore. I just don't feel close to God. And our faith really gets to become distant in our life. Here's a question that I have for you Have you ever been closer to God than you are right now? Here's the second question if you said yes, What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? If there's been a time in your life that you felt the presence of God more than you do in this moment, there's a disconnect. Because I tell you, God wants to move in our lives. And that first step to reconnecting him is just admit it. It's a humble experience to admit it. To say, I... I just got to tell you, I'm not as close to God as I once was. I don't feel his presence as I want to. I don't feel like God is moving in me like he wants to. And we have that disconnect. So we have to admit it. Everybody say admit. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to acknowledge where you lost it. Acknowledge where you lost it. Look what he says. Elijah asks, where did it fall into the river? And the man showed him the exact spot. I think sometimes, and it may be hard, but there are seasons that come into our life where we can look at. There are things that cause this disconnection. And I really believe that one of the major things that cause it is distractions and busyness. Life itself. How many know there's a lot of things going on in life, right? I mean, we have so many things. We got... What kind of things do we got? We got what? Work, right? What else? This could be participatory. What else do we got? Work, school, family, kids, recreation, fun. What else? Football. Oh, yeah, we got football. So we got all these things, right? We got, like we said, we got work. We got fun, football. We got family, right? We got that. We got them kids and all their experiences, right? Then we got our friends because we got to hang out with some friends sometimes. So we got it of that. And then we got ministry, right? Sometimes. This kind of upsets me. It doesn't upset me. That's a bad word. It's a negative word. One thing you guys didn't say is we got Jesus. But hopefully you got Jesus. But we have all these things in our life. We have all these things. When at 9 in the morning, we got to go, oh, 9 to 5, I got to whip out my work card, right? Because this is my work time. Then when I get home, I got to whip out the family card, the kids' card. 
And we're doing all these things, and we're so busy with so much. And each of these cards happen in our lives, and they got a lot going on. And then, oh, Sunday, oh, it's Sunday. i gotta, I got to take out my Jesus card, right? It's time for Jesus. But sometimes there's so much. There's work and family and kids, and you're doing all these things. And none of these are bad. Not even football, <laughs> unless you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh, I was going to tell a joke. <laughs> I was going to tell a joke. My wife says, oh, honey, don't, maybe you shouldn't tell a joke, right? You remember that comedian, Jeff Waxworthy, right? You might be a redneck if, right? Well, you might have lost your cutting edge <laughs> if the last time you opened up your Bible is when the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl. My wife was right. Don't tell that story and joke. Okay. I've, Lord, Lord, I forgive me. Forgiveness is a good thing. But we have all these things in our life, and we have all that stuff, and what happens is sometimes we get busy with work, we get busy with this, and we get busy with that, and we notice that sometimes we got all these things, and, and Jesus is just another one of the cards in our deck. He's just another one of the cards. And sometimes when I'm so busy with this, I forget Jesus, just like we did, right? We forget him because we have all this other stuff that we're focused on. All these other things. And when we have so much of that, there can be this disconnect by all the distractions, all the busyness that we have in life. And it really happens is what I found this. You can have all those things and it becomes good. But until this moment, until King Jesus is on your heart, until my allegiance is to the king, until he is the one that every one of those other things flow through. All those other things are important. But I only need one card. I only need this card. And when I have this card and it's the king of my hearts, when it's what everything else, my work flows through it, my children flow through it, my family flows through it, football flows through it, it don't matter. It needs to flow through King Jesus. Because when it flows through this, you ever wonder why you're so stinking tired? Because you're distracted, you don't have all that, and you're disconnected. But when I'm connected, all those things won't tire me. In fact, I'll have abundancy to do more. When it's out of the overflow of this, that will be blessed. We need to take Jesus out of your hand and make him the only card. He needs to be the one that has everything. See, he's what covers it. When I take my life... And all these things, this represents my life. This is it. All those things, and they're all good things, and it represents a life. And you may be out of other things that represent your life. But he says, lay down your life. We need to lay down our life. That life is what I do, but this is my identity. And when this is my identity, it covers all the rest of that. It covers it. You ever why we're having so many problems in areas of all, all those other areas you have difficulties? Because he's not covering it. There's a disconnect. Something has happened. We've disconnected to it and we've lost it. Another thing that I've realized, and this is, I'm really just preaching to myself and you're getting to hear it. Another thing is disobedience. It's when God has told you to do something. He's spoken it to you, right? You know he's told you to do it. He's told you a few times, and you just keep putting it off. I mean, you just keep, 
Oh, maybe next week. <laughs> oh, I'll get to that person that I need to forgive tomorrow. And we just keep procrastinating the things that God has told us to do to get us to the purpose he's called us to. And so many times in this disobedience, and i got to tell you, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to holding on to things, resentment, anger, it's an immediate disconnect. When you and I take offense, a disconnect happens. When you and I don't forgive, a disconnect happens. Because the Bible, Scripture says, when you forgive them, I'll forgive you. If you're not forgiving them, he's having a hard time getting close to you because he can't forgive you. And so we, at times, are just disobedient to the things that God is calling us to do. God's called you to do some things. He's been t- some of you, you need to pick up the phone today and you need to restore that relationship. God's been telling you to forgive him. You need to go and do it. Because that disobedience will cause a separation. And many of us have been there. Many of us have been there. And if you can look at that, you'll know he wants you to do things. And a lot of times we rely on our own strength and our own pride. I, don't, I can do this on my own. I don't need Jesus. When we start thinking we can do this life on our own strength, we're talking it's a disconnect. What we've done is we've hooked ourselves up to flesh company for our power instead of the trinity company. And so many times I'm running on the flesh power, and now I'm wondering why the lights keep going out. But when I'm connected to the Trinity power, the three prongs instead of just two or one, it changes everything. It changes it. Sometimes we just get so careless, and sometimes we just got to be honest, we get lazy, right? I'm tired. Because Jesus is in the thing, so I'm not going to church, or I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do these things because I'm so tired. And sometimes we get lazy, and it's okay. Don't get me wrong. There needs to be time of rest. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when it goes to one week, to two weeks, to three weeks, to four weeks, and then we never see, right? And we just get that disconnect. And God wants to come, and he wants to restore that stuff. He wants to bring it back. But sometimes we got to acknowledge where we lost it. You can look back at your life, what it was the season that was going on when you felt like, I just don't feel like close to God anymore. What was going on? And if you're honest with yourself, you'll find out some things that you were doing or having and things that you were involved in. I'm telling you what, it's hard to look at porn than read the Bible. Just saying. Ooh, got awful quiet. Uh-oh. It's Okay. God can speak to you. But let's not allow that stuff to get into our lives that disconnects us. And when we feel that disconnect, we need to come back crying to God, oh God, change me, save me, help me get back to the place where I felt your presence daily. Help me get back to that moment where I realized how good you are. Help me get back to that place. Come back to him. All right, here's number three. Are you ready? Ready. Expect God to restore it. Expect God. All right, honestly, how many of you thought it was going to be another A? I am not as good or as cool as Pastor Kyle. Right? Am I right? All right, we've got to take a second. I just got to. 
How many of you, our pastor is amazing, amen? I mean, both our pastors are amazing. And Pastor Kyle, if you haven't been here before, he'll use and he'll have the three letters and all of them match, and it's so awesome. And I'm sitting there. How many of you are like me because I'm a note taker? Note takers are what? Well, thank you very much. I'm a note taker. And so I'm taking that. And on the third one, I'm thinking, I know what he's going to say. And I'll write it down. And I'm wrong. And you'll go through my notes and you'll see one word scratched out and another. But every so often, I get it right. And I think I've won Will of Fortune. I mean, I'm so excited. In fact, I'm elbowing my wife and I'm going, look, look, look how spiritual I am. (laughs) Okay, I digress. (laughs) Everybody say expect. We need to expect God to restore back what we've lost. There needs to be an expectation. Look what it says. So Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. And the axe head floated to the top of the water. I mean, that's pretty bizarre, right? Pretty crazy. What what do you think was the significance of the stick? Was the stick, was it powerful or something? No. There was no significance. In the stick, he could have used anything. What the significant was, he was showing his faith. You see, this was the faith. He had an expectation. When I throw this in there, God is going to do something. He had an expectation of God that would move something. He had an expectation of the God who created the gravity would reverse the gravity and cause this iron axe head to float. How many of you know that's really what the... Meaning of a miracle is the reverse of nature. And God wants us to step out and have an expectation today. Did you come into this place this morning expecting God to do something? Did you come in expecting God to do a miracle? To reverse the nature of sickness? To reverse the nature of anxiety? To reverse the nature of going on in our lives? So he takes this stick that just represents he was expecting God to do something. And I love it. He throws it out there and he he puts the stick out there. I mean, he wasn't David Copperfield. He wasn't Houdini. He wasn't. This wasn't a magic wand trick. This was a God thing. A God thing believing in a God that could do miracles. A God thing that says, man, I'm going to restore back to him what he's lost. God wants to restore back to you the closeness and the spiritual vitality of your life because God has got a call on your life. And he wants to explore it. He wants to give it back to you. And so we get this because really what this is saying is that he's the God of the impossible. He really is. Humanly speaking, it is impossible But with God, all things are possible. What do you feel like in your life right now that's impossible? What do you feel in your life that's impossible? Well, I I can't get close to God anymore. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've said. You don't know what I've been through. You're wrong. God could never use me to be significant. God could never use me to change the world. God could never do that. You're wrong. I serve the God of the possible. I serve a God that can take anything in the tiny insignificance of my life and change the world. If I don't believe that, 
He's not the king of my heart. If I don't believe that, he doesn't have my allegiance. I've given it to something else. But I believe the God of the impossible wants to come and take whatever you feel this morning that's impossible to change. Whatever you're going through that you think it will never happen. I'm telling you right now that God can do it when you expect it. God can do it when you put your hope in him. Because when you do that, it changes everything. It changes everything about it. I love what it says in Jeremiah 15, 19. It says, if you return to me, I will, say I will, will. restore you so you can continue to serve me. I love that. It's a promise. You and I have a promise from God that says when we seek him, we will find him. When we knock, he will answer. When I come to him and I cry out, he hears my voice. But so many of us are like David. God, why are you so distant from me? He just says, I'm just waiting for you. I'm just waiting for you. I'm waiting to do something in your heart, in your life. And when we see that, when we believe that, it just begins to change everything, opens up everything. So when we expect God to do a miracle, and we believe in the word and the truth of God, the authority, God changes everything. So expect it. Come in with expectations. Come in with a heart that says, God's going to change my life. God's going to do a new work. God's going to do something. But see, when you're in a rut, everything's just predictable. You've just become a person that sits in a pew. Don't exist in a pew. Exist in the power of God. Exist in the everlasting power of God. Amen? We need to stop it just existing and move beyond to what God wants us to do. So we need to expect it. So what do you first thing? We need to admit it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to expect it. Right? And then uh, you know what the last one is? Did you already write out? Did you, come on. Did somebody write it down? Nobody's looking spiritual? Darn it. You need to reach out and receive him. You see, you need to reach out. In 6, he says, now get it. Everybody say, now get it. Elijah told him, and the prophet reached in, and he grabbed it. You know, God is so amazing, and he's so me. I mean, he reversed nature. But how many of you know that God could have took in that axe head another 15 feet in the air and cooked it on and screwed it right on that handle? He could have done that, right? He could have done everything. Why did he just bring it to the top? Because you and I have got to do our part. You and I got to do our part. He brought it here. He says, I did this. Now you do yours. How many of you know we work in tandem with God? And when we do our part, when we reach out and we receive him, when we do the things that he's called us to do, that's when, guess what? Restoration happens. Recovery happens. For the things that you're wanting God to recover in your life, what part are you taking with it? What part are you doing? What part am I doing? If I want God to recover something, what part am I doing about it? Because it's important. 
You know that the scripture in Revelations, I love this, where it says, hey, you know what? You, you lost your first love. Remember how far you've fallen. Return to me and change the way you think and act and do what you did at first. I think there's three things right here to restore. This is the first thing. First thing is you need to remember. You need to remember how good God has been to you. You need to remember what it was like to be passionate and happy about Jesus. You need to remember what he's done for you. You need to remember how he's blessed you. And then he says, return. You and I need to stop going in the same direction that hasn't gotten us anywhere. Turn around and stop taking steps back to the way it was. He says, remember, return, and repeat. I got the three R's, Pastor. Three R's, baby. Remember, return, and repeat. Because he says, repeat what you did at the first. What were the things you were doing at first that caused your love relationship with God to grow? Well, I was in church all the time. I was reading my Bible. I had fellowship with other friends. I was serving him. I was doing all these things. Then why did you stop? Remember, return, and repeat. And you know what? This works with any relationship. It does. I hear people say all the time, I fall out of love with him. I fell out of love with her. Love is a choice. It's a choice that we have. And if you could go and do these exact same three steps, remember Remember that you loved them once. Remember that you married them. Remember how you said in your service, oh, she's the best thing since sliced bread. I can't live without her. He's the hottest thing I've ever seen. You got to remember those things. And then you got to return. You see, you got to stop waiting for them to do it, and you got to take the steps back. And then you repeat what you did at first. That was free. That was. That was brought to you by the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. That was a free one. But it will work with any relationship. It will change anything if we allow it to. And I believe that God wants to do that. If you don't get anything out of today, get this one thing. You're as close to God as you want to be. Don't blame your boyfriend. Don't blame your girlfriend. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame the church. Don't blame your husband and your wife. If you're not close to God, it's on you. Because you're as close to God as you want to be. Because I'll tell you what, if you're not close to God, he didn't move. He didn't move. He's sitting there waiting for us to come back to when we used to do these things. And if you and I can get that, if you and I can change that. Have you ever re- wondered and recognized some people, they feel so, I mean, they're so close to God. I mean, it's so amazing that they're so close to God. I mean, you always wonder, how do they do it? Like Billy Graham, man, you just say, oh, man, he's so amazing. He's so close to God, right? I mean, there's other people. I got to tell you, this, this is one story. We were talking, you know, hey, I, this story can be, beat your one. That's from last night. Here's that. I was at. At the college, at the evangelistic college in North Carolina, Billy Graham School. And at that time, I was going through a lot. And it was hard, and I was going through that. I felt like some people had betrayed me, and I was going through all this. And I remember after a session, I was sitting out in the courtyard by myself, just kind of feeling a self-pity for myself. 
And you won't believe it. At that time, Billy Graham was walking through. And he saw me. And something in the spirit, I don't know. He came up to me and he sat down. And he, he, he said, what's going on? And I shared him with him the story of what was going on and how I felt and all this stuff. And he's listening. He's just sitting there listening. And this is what he said. He goes, after I finished with all this, he just goes, well, you need to stop desiring to be right and start desiring God. Stop desiring more to be right than you are desiring God. Then he gets up and he leaves. I mean, it's Dr. Graham just did a mic drop on me. That was it. That's all he said. Stop the desire more of being right than you desire God. You know why those people that you see and you wonder why and see them? Because they desire it. They crave it. Nothing's more important to them than having the expression and the experience and the closeness to God. They desire that. And they want that. You know, there's an old Keith Green song. How many of you remember Keith Green? Okay, there's five old people in the church today. Six people. Oh, if you haven't heard Keith Green, go listen for Bananas for Jesus, okay? Keith Green was amazing, but he wrote this song years ago. He's passed away. He says, my eyes are dry, my faith is old. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be, alive to you and dead to me. But what can be done for an old heart like mine? is soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew with the wine of your blood. That's my prayer. I don't want to ever be in a place where I'm not experiencing the closeness of God. He has to be the king of my heart. And today, if you're honest, some of you, you're not as close as you used to be. You're not as close in experiencing that, and you're just swinging your axe. <laughs> you're just getting sweaty, but there's no productivity. And I believe today God wants to speak to some people today. The first one, people, it's like a three-prong. Remember the three-prong things when you plug it in? Well, some of you, you, you're here today because you believe that there's a God. You do. You believe that there's a God. You've got the first prong plugged in. But you don't have the second prong of Jesus. Jesus that went to the cross and died for you and I, that brought forgiveness into our life that changed everything. So some of you today, you're going to plug in that second prong. You're going to plug in the prong of Jesus. Some of you, you've been under the two-prong system. You believe there was a God and you've accepted Jesus, but you never plugged in the Holy Spirit. You've never plugged in the power that allows us, that lives within us. The one, the strength and the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You've never plugged that in. And some of you today, God wants to plug that in. And I believe for a lot of you, if we're being honest, you know God, you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, and you've been plugged in. But life has come. Life and distractions and different things. And that cord has been wiggled enough that it's come up a little bit undone. For some of you, it's been blown completely out of the socket. But some of you, have you ever seen a light thing? It's, it's plugged in a little bit and the light kind of flickers. It goes on and off because it's making connections sometimes and then other times it's not. 
I think some of us are like, it's like we're, we're wiggling. We're not fully plugged in. We're not fully connected. And when you're fully connected, guess what? The light shines. And when the light shines, this is what they see. And I'm not trying to be mean, but if you haven't shared Jesus with somebody within the last week, your light is not shining. Because when your light shines, it's like all the bugs are attracted to it. When your light is shining and Jesus is so bright, people want to know why. People have questions. People have this. And I'm telling you what, our light needs to shine more now than ever. And he wants it to shine. He wants it to do something. Are you ready? Are you ready to get plugged back in? Are you ready to get your spiritual vitality back? Can we go ahead and stand to our feet? Like I said, for some of you today, that second plug of Jesus is the plug that you need to begin this journey and to begin the power of God moving in your life. And if you're here today and you've never accepted, I mean, it's the first time, you've never, not like you did it before, but you've never made Jesus Lord of your heart. You've never let him be your allegiance. And today you're saying, I need that plug. I need Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity right now to make that step to Jesus, to connect in God, a way in God that you've never connected go. And I also believe that when you connect to Jesus, that third step prong slips right in behind it. You can't put, if you've ever seen a three prong prong, you can't just put two and the third goes in, right? So I believe at the moment you say, Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, I'm here, I want to go too. So today, If that's you, and if you're being honest, you need Jesus. Today, we want to agree with you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? Just extend your hand to the Lord. Just lift it up. Is there anybody today that says, I see one? Come on, I see two. Yes. Anybody else that says, I need Jesus? Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can we celebrate him? I'm telling you. I know that they, that they normally say that all heaven rejoices when we get saved. That's wrong. The scripture says there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. The one rejoicing right now is the Father. He is rejoicing in heaven for you. Today is your day. Can we just repeat a prayer together? It's not a special prayer, but it's just acknowledging it. You're taking the steps. And we want to do it together because we're family together. Amen. Can you repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross, dying for me, for the forgiveness of my sin, and empowering me to live a life for you. Lord, I thank you that you've written my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.